0: Welcome to Lovin' and Leavin', the podcast where a divorce attorney
1: and a family therapist
0: talk about the issues that affect relationships, marriage, love, and divorce. I am one of your hosts, Mark Schoendorf. I am a practicing divorce attorney in the Chicagoland area.
1: And I'm your co-host, Denise Ombre. I'm a therapist and I help individuals and couples in the northern suburbs of Chicago navigate relationship issues.
0: And we are here to talk about the different things we see in our professional lives when it comes to relationships. Like jealousy. And infidelity.
1: Personalities. And abuse. And everything else that causes people to leave the one they love,
0: and whether or not those things can be fixed.
1: So, welcome to Loving and Leaving. Hello, Denise. Hello, Mark. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm
0: good. Today, we're going to talk about
1: borderline
0: borderline personalities,
1: borderline personality disorders.
0: This is this is uh, one in our our subseries, I guess, our subtopics of of uh, personality disorders and how they affect relations and divorce and divorce. And so borderline is, I guess narcissism is like the biggie, right?
1: Yeah, borderlines and narcissists are, are the big ones, I think. Right, but the, the I feel two. like like
0: narcissism is the show that everyone knows. The show, yeah, but, that everyone knows. But borderlines, the lesser known personality disorder that is still very, very prevalent. Yes. I mean, I, I didn't know what a borderline personality was until I experienced it firsthand in my practice. And I realized, oh.
1: Oh, that's what that that's is. That's what
0: that is. Yeah. Okay. So what are the hallmarks of a person with borderline personality disorder?
1: Well, what you see with a borderline personality disorder is an intense fear of abandonment, either real or perceived. So you don't have to be actually abandoning them for them to freak out about you abandoning them. Um, and also very intense relationships with a lot of conflict. They also engage in something called splitting where they see the other person as either all good or all bad and they switch between those two things and they have a very, very poor sense of um, self or self-esteem and tend to feel very empty inside.
0: Okay. So from a practical level, it all sounds kind of scary, but how does that exhibit or how does the person act? What are the things that, that a borderline does so that someone who's in a relationship with someone who may be borderline and not realize it, they'll say, oh.
1: Well, you'll see it because they have... They're very emotionally unstable. They have very frequent and very fast mood changes between intense anger and rage and maybe irritability and sadness. So they can go very quickly from being very normal and very calm to very intensely angry and raging
0: at people. I mean, so then what are the relationships like? I mean, mean, obviously they're rocky.
1: They're very rocky and they tend not to last a whole lot, you know, because they rage at people. They have these raging fits.
0: What are these rages about?
1: Anything. Honestly, anything. Real or imagined.
0: And the reason for that is because they have this sort of, this splitting, this, this you splitting, know, you, right. you're either the All greatest good. person. You're-
1: or the worst person on the face of the earth.
0: So it's not uncommon for them to find a new friend. Oh my God, my new BFF from my yoga class. She's the best.
1: Exactly. And then. I love her. She's so wonderful. We're going to do everything together. And then two weeks later, she's the devil.
0: Yeah, just, I can't, and then, is there's paranoia with borderlines, isn't there?
1: Especially under stress. They get very paranoid under stress.
0: Is it, then all of a sudden something happens, I can't believe, she's probably doing this. She's probably talking about that. She posted something, I can't believe it.
1: Right, and and she's deliberately trying to hurt me, and you know, this is what she's doing to me, and you know, very, very paranoid.
0: What I've noticed, and maybe you can talk about it is, so they play the victim. A lot.
1: Yeah, they feel very victimized, and they come across as very victim, victimy, if that's a word.
0: Victimy, <laughs> right? But, well, right. They, they, but they play. Everything is happening to everything them. Everything
1: is happening to them.
0: Doesn't that feel like narcissism?
1: It does, and narcissism can coexist with borderlines. You know, it's a it's a that co-occurring disorder in a lot of borderlines. Right. So you see some of those same characteristics bleed over into the borderline.
0: So why do they get into these relationships? so fast? Or why do they get so close so fast?
1: Well, I think they really have a drive to be close to people. Like we all do. They want to be in relationship. You know, we all have a drive to be in relationship. And so they, I think, feel lonely and empty. And when they're alone, they feel like they are worth nothing. So they have a drive, a very strong drive to be in relationships, but then they can't tolerate the relationship once they're in it.
0: Right. Okay. So then because they drive out Relationships, they tend to not have a lot of friends. Exactly. They're because. Everyone's wronged them in some way.
1: Right. And they have to keep finding new people.
0: Or not good enough for them. We're not good enough. They're stupid. These people are dumb. They're boring.
1: Right. And that comes from being hurt. You right. know, they end up getting hurt by somebody from some very small slight. And then the person becomes all bad. And, you know, it's over. And they have to find someone new.
0: Right. Okay. What causes somebody to be a borderline?
1: Well, the, the theory is that there's maybe some genetic predisposition to it. But it's really... Um, Severe trauma and neglect and abuse in childhood that causes borderline personality disorder.
0: And so, how does that that manifest in that they had a neglectful or abusive childhood? So now they're afraid of being in that situation.
1: They just they just develop these these coping patterns and this this they literally their personality is formed such that this is how they develop and this is how they manifest in their relationships that it's it's simply how their personality has formed
0: so maybe someone has wronged them because they don't know how to deal with the give and take of a relationship mm-hmm. open communication i suppose
1: well yeah it's hard to have open communication when you're walking on eggshells with someone because you're afraid that they're going to rage at you any second
0: so that that's kind of a hallmark though you got to tiptoe around
1: yeah you have to tiptoe around the borderline
0: because if you do if you you're always afraid you're going to cross something you're going to have to deal with their wrath exactly okay and so so you mentioned that uh they get paranoid under stress yes obviously a divorce very very stressful event for everybody yeah um and for the borderline it's extreme it's extreme it brings out a lot of uh a lot of their 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 uh their traits which includes there's the paranoia. Hmm. Uh, And there's um, the the conflict relationships.
1: And their primary coping mechanism is projection and blaming. So that comes out in divorce hugely.
0: So I'm thinking of, so I've had uh, in the last couple of years, uh, in recent memory, uh, two cases where I can, without being a clinician, say I'm pretty sure this person was borderline. Mm -hmm. And they both had similar hallmarks. The first one um, was serial attorneys. Yes. Uh, They will
1: go through many attorneys typically. Yeah.
0: And, you know, on one case, I was the first attorney and then they moved on to another attorney, which they then came back to me and then said the other attorney was terrible. Yes. And then I had another one where I think I was like fourth out of seven or eight. Yeah, that's very typical. Yeah. And so why does that happen?
1: Because of the all good and all bad. The The attorney starts out as all good and they're, you know, going to save them and then they become all bad and they can do nothing right And so they'd fire that attorney and move on to the next one. Who's all good. And then that attorney becomes all bad and can't do anything right. And they fire them and move on to the next one. So they'll typically go through a string of attorneys
0: in, in both cases that I'm thinking of, they they then came back to me Mm -hmm. and asked if I could, they could, you know, rehire me. Um, so I guess
1: you became all good again.
0: Yeah. I became all good. I was terrible. I was awful and I didn't do what they needed to get done. Um, or whatever it was. Then they went on to the next attorney, and turns out they were a bunch of idiots, right? And and they were tr- trying to sabotage the case, or they were abusive. And then they come back. To- so should I feel complimented?
1: I don't know because you'd probably turn out to be all bad again sooner or know. later.
0: I did not. I did not. Uh, I did not uh, let them rehire me. So I did not rehire those clients because I just figured it was going to be you know a bunch of bad news. Yeah. And uh, there's in divorce. I mean, I've also seen. There's a lot of uh, allegations yes. from the borderline personality. Yes,
1: and that's due to the projection that they use as a coping, as a, as a defense mechanism. The, they will accuse the other person of doing the things that they're doing. So they, if they're hiding money, they will accuse the other person of hiding money. If they're having an affair, they will accuse the other person of having an affair. Um, they tend to get rid of the things they don't like in themselves by projecting them onto the other person.
0: Um, yeah, I, one of these cases, uh, I found out later, there's there's money there's you know uh, involved in the case. We need to find the money. We need to find you know make sure where all of you know uh, these assets are and where where the where did the money go? Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that you know a month before trial. With another attorney, it turns out that there was another entire piece of real estate uh-huh. that uh, she had not disclosed. Yeah,
1: and not it, uncommon. Which is a
0: problem. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a you're, problem. If you're a divorce lawyer and you find out there's a new piece of property, uh, you know, right before a trial, that's that's a bad thing. Um, yeah. and there's a lot of allegations of this person's abusive. Yeah, person's abused me, and I can't believe it.
1: And if there's kids involved, it 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 heightens it that much more. Right, and there's like allegations around the children and that you know one person is unfit and a lot of that happens in these divorce cases
0: right um there also seem to be uh, much to do about nothing sometimes I, I you know in both cases there were like little issues that weren't very big deals legally Mm -hmm. And I try to do my best to explain to clients how the law works. And not every client is a lawyer, and I get that. And it can be confusing. But sometimes there are things that don't matter or are not that important. Mm -hmm. Clients wonder, well, why is that not an important fact? And I try to explain to them how the process works or what does that person really mean or what what effect that really has. But they'll still grab on to that one thing, and they'll hold on to it and say, "But no, we need to work out this this issue." And I'm, my 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 saying is, well, the judge doesn't care about it, or it's not a whole lot of money, so we're not going to spend. But they all- want to fight about it. They want to fight about it. Yeah. Or and or if I don't, you know, think it's a big deal, then I'm the bad guy. Yeah. There, there, why does that happen?
1: Well, I mean, they they want to fight about things. Everything's a big deal. You know, they want to prove the other person wrong. They want to um, demean the other person, criticize the other person, blame the other person. So everything becomes a big deal.
0: Are they able to compromise?
1: Uh, not very well. It's pretty hard for a borderline to compromise.
0: And that's because the, the other person's just all bad. Yes. There's nothing that they're ever going to do that's right. Exactly. Even though they're glaring things about themselves that are not right. <laughs> yes, but they don't see that. I've also found that with uh, borderline clients, just the attorney-client relationship mm-hmm. is difficult.
1: All their relationships are difficult, so I would imagine the attorney-client relationship right. is difficult.
0: And because the, again, they seem to, you know, they seem to want to be in control of everything, mm-hmm. even though it's they're trying to be in control of something they don't understand. Yes, uh, and or they'll do things against my better advice, you know, my legal judgment, my professional judgment, and focus on things that are not the most important things, or or just distrust. Distrust, just yeah. general distrust, distrust in the system I had. So I had one, one of the clients that I had, I can think of. We had uh, a a child representative appointed by the court, and this is up in a smaller county in Illinois. So there's only so many people on the court approved list, you know, that are qualified to do this kind of work, you know, and it's basically came down to like two people <laughs> yeah. and one of them was not available. And the other person was um, the person that was suggested by the other party's attorneys. And so that's who the court went with. And it wasn't, you know, that big of a deal. It was either, you know, take A or B and B is not available. So we're going with A. But that became a point of contention that, oh, my God, the other side has gained an advantage. Mm-hmm. That this person is in the other, you know, firm's pocket. Yeah, that's that the paranoia coming you, out. That, uh, yeah, this case is all going to go terribly wrong. That was the big mistake. And I let it happen. And even though I, you know, you I argue, but at the end of the day, the judge decides what's going to happen so the decision is quite literally out of my hand, but... But you become all bad. I'm the person that made this huge mistake that allowed, you know, this to happen. And I'm the source of all their the person's ills.
1: Right. You become all bad. And then they fire you and then they find another attorney and the same thing happens.
0: Uh, I've, I've seen, and this goes back to, you know, the, the hidden real estate where there's, you know, they are clearly... Like I've seen both cases had a, a financial component where they were clearly fine financially. Mm-hmm. If like they were going to be fine, it was, there was enough money They had, they had saved enough money or they were going to get enough money, but they yeah. were just afraid that they were going to be. Yes. What, what is that?
1: Well, I think that the fear that they feel the is more about abandonment and being alone than anything else, but it can get projected onto other things. So it may be the fear of being destitute was really about being alone
0: and are all, are all borderlines the same or is there is no. there like it seems like a pretty wide it's
1: a pretty wide category i mean there's there's a a real continuum between lower functioning and higher functioning borderlines you know the lower functioning ones tend to engage in reckless Pain management, I call it, um, which is spending sprees and reckless driving, promiscuous sex, self harm, suicide threats, even suicide um, attempts, abusing drugs and alcohol, things is like that. that. Low functioning? That's lower functioning.
0: Because they, that interferes with their, their ability to live their life.
1: Exactly. Uh, they tend to get hospitalized. They are in treatment because of other co-occurring disorders. The higher functioning ones, you don't see so much of that. Um, they tend to be more invisible to the mental health community because they are higher functioning um which is just
0: a, a clinical term for being able to keep their being their, able to keep, their keep their it together. together
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is kind of a problem because people see them as okay and then the the havoc they wreak is not always noticed
0: it can be subversive can be
1: subversive right
0: it's not like a big hullabaloo of you know i got in another car accident right it's more like now i'm making accusations that you're stealing them
1: exactly and people don't see them as as kind of crazy. People see them as fine. And then they take them seriously when they're making these accusations.
0: And so, uh, so, so divorces, borderlines. They tend to not settle.
1: They tend to not settle. They're very high conflict divorces. They tend to go to trial.
0: If they do settle, it's usually at the end of a lot of work. Yes. And then of course there's going to be a lot of blaming that they got a bad deal.
1: Always blaming that they got a bad deal. They're never happy with the outcome.
0: And then, uh, because their expectations are obviously very unrealistic Yes. and they're not taking into account, and this is sort of maybe the narcissist element, they're not really taking into account the other person, but it's not because they think they're right about everything like a narcissist would, it's because the other person is just terrible. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Um. And so you see a lot of, do you see a lot of borderlines in your practice? I don't see a lot of
1: borderline people in my practice. I have one or two. I try not to have more than one or two borderlines on my caseload because they're a lot of work. Okay. Um, they tend to call me in the middle of the night. They tend to call me incessantly. They're they're just a lot of work. They're high management.
0: Um, you also see a lot of um, spouses or ex. I see a lot of ex spouses of borderlines. What's that like?
1: It's really hard to watch them go through a divorce with a borderline because it's very sad to see the accusations and the, their name get dragged through the mud and the children get alienated from them and, and the high conflict is exhausting for people. So I see a lot of that and deal with a lot of that and the fallout from, from these high conflict divorces.
0: And what, what kind of things are these people complaining of that's happening in their divorces?
1: well a lot of hiding money a lot of alienating the children
0: so they're being accused of hiding money or they're the other person's hiding money
1: the other person's hiding money and they're being accused of hiding money <laughs>
0: so good times all around yeah
1: it's both it's both of those things or they're being accused of having an affair when they've never had an affair but the other person's having an affair that's the projection the spouse gets accused of a lot of things that the the borderline is actually doing um so that that's really difficult because it's hard to defend yourself when that's going on. Um, the thing with the children is really difficult to handle because the children know that the borderline parent is really volatile. So they will go along with the borderline parent a lot of times because they don't want to encounter the rage. You know, you know how hard it is to encounter the borderline's rage. Yes. So imagine it is for a little kid of course. to encounter the borderline's rage. So the kids will go along with the borderline parent against the other parent just to avoid the rage. Wow. And that's very painful.
0: That's painful because they're stuck in a situation where they, they have to, you as know, they go along, but you know, they, they can't do what they want to do because they're just afraid of, of this one, exactly. This one parent in this one situation. So can the borderline be fixed? I mean, can you heal that? Can you get over it? What happens there?
1: Well, I don't know if fixed is the right word, but probably, uh,
0: it's probably not the right yeah, word. But, <laughs>
1: (laughs) But I think that if a borderline embraces the fact that they have a problem, they can get better. They can improve their relationships and they can, with intensive treatment, improve some of these things that they do. They can stop some of the projection and stop some of the intense conflict in
0: their relationships.
1: So there is hope that that things can improve, but they have to buy in. Right.
0: I mean, and and that's that's really hard. And that's
1: really hard to get them to do.
0: Do you have to they have to fess up that they've got an issue?
1: Yes. And with the higher functioning borderlines, it's it's almost impossible to get them to buy into that to the idea that they have a problem.
0: And particularly because they're high functioning and they, you know, they can be successful people.
1: They can be very successful people,
0: you know, and and they tend to, uh, you know. The few cases that i've seen that where i know i really feel like if there's borderline they were good savers they had you know they had saved up money they saved up assets they probably because they were paranoid that they were going to end up with nothing mm-hmm. not that saving is a bad idea it's a good idea but they you know yeah they're fastidious about it and uh and so by the all hallmarks they're a functioning person that's right they're you know they've got a little you know coin in the bank they live a, you know, a, not necessarily a frugal lifestyle, but they, they live a, you know, they not an extravagant lifestyle. Yeah. So by all, by all measures, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're a success. So and if wh- you
1: don't look at their relationships, then they are fairly successful. Yeah, or you might never know. And you might, right, you might never know. If you look at their relationships you tend to see the more borderline characteristics come out.
0: And so then why would they ever seek treatment? So
1: why would they ever seek treatment?
0: It's easier when some easier, it's more obvious when somebody's got their lower functioning and something is repeatedly impacting their life, like suicide attempts or
1: exactly drug and alcohol
0: abuse. At that point, someone's got to say, well, something's going on with me and but are those people if, if lower functioning if they're able to recognize that issue are they able to work through it? Or? Yeah,
1: they're able to get some help and they can improve things.
0: And ha- so, how does what kind of help you know what what happens there? Is it just helping them understand?
1: Helping them understand what the personality disorder is and how it manifests, and you know, helping them with kind of the co-occurring co-occur- disorders that that go on with it, um, and helping them improve their relationships.
0: All right. Well. Uh- Hopefully, uh, you'll find yourself in a, a, a borderline personality and were in a relationship with a borderline personality. Cause it, it's but you, tough. But you would know. I mean, are people in relationships with borderlines?
1: People don't tend to know. I mean, people tend to think that there's something wrong with them or that there's that there's a problem that they don't understand. They don't always know that this is a borderline that they're in a relationship with. Because like you said before, you didn't understand what a borderline personality was until you came face to face with one in your practice.
0: Right, okay. And so now do borderlines, is there a type of person they tend to to pick?
1: I don't know if they pick a certain type. That's a good question. I'm not sure that they pick a certain type. I think that they gravitate toward people who eventually they end up with people who will put up with them. Okay.
0: That's, that's, okay, I can see that. Yeah. They pick the person that can deal with deal with their- Who their... will
1: deal with their
0: volatility. All right, that's borderline personalities, huh? Yeah. Wow, all right, well, best of luck, I guess, right? <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lovin' and Leaving. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Also, please find and like us on Facebook and follow us on
0: Twitter. Tell your friends about us.
1: And of course, if you yourself are having personal or relationship issues that you would like to work on or need help with, and you live in or near Chicago, you can find me on the internet at deniseombre.com. That's A-M-B-R-E. Or call at 847-729-3034. Again, on the web at deniseombre.com or 847-729-3034.
0: If you are unfortunately at a point where your relationship or marriage is not working and you need legal guidance, I am available. I focus on all aspects of family and divorce law, including child custody, support, dividing property, businesses, handling parenting time and visitation, and everything that goes along with it. You can visit me on the web at illinoidivorcelaw.net, again, illinoisdivorcelaw.net, or call 312-878-1202 to set up a consultation. Again, 312-878-1202, and I would be happy to help. Please mention the podcast when you call.
1: And if there's a topic you think we should cover, let us know on Twitter or Facebook.
0: Thanks again, and join us next time on Lovin' and Leaving.